Welcome Shams Mahmoud to the Old Mole Variety Hour here on KBOO Community Radio. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Shams is working on her bachelor's degree in history at Portland State University with an emphasis on Middle Eastern and African studies. She is president of Students United for Palestinian Equal Rights, or SUPER, a student-led organization dedicated to raising awareness about injustices concerning the occupation of the Palestinian people and calling for Palestinian liberation, self-determination, and right of return from the river to the sea. Well, once again, thank you for coming on to the Old Mole Variety Hour today to talk about the organizing of SUPER, as well as the Palestine Film Festival at Portland State University, organized by SUPER and other campus student groups. The screenings will be at the Fifth Avenue Theater during the first weekend of March, free and open to the public. Um, before we take up the festival and the films that will be screening, uh, let's talk about Students United for Palestinian Equal Rights, which has chapters on other campuses in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, tell us about SUPER and the, and the group's vision of liberation for Palestine, as well as their your approach to organizing. So SUPER is part of National Students for Justice for Palestine. It has been revived after a few years of inactivity, but it's been on the Portland State campus for, I believe, uh, over a decade and a half now. Um, and our work right now and our work for a long time has been focused on removing our university's complacency in uh, the Israeli occupation of Palestine. And right now we're very focused on specifically removing Boeing off of our campus. Why is the group focused on, on Boeing? Because there are many companies that are involved in co military contracts with the U.S. government and have been the focus of uh, pro-Palestine activism, including Intel. You know, there are other, other companies uh, that are part of this vast mm -hmm. military-industrial complex. Uh, why Boeing? Boeing specifically donates a lot of money to PSU. It has a lot of influence, um, especially regarding the PSU Foundation. Um, and they also have special internship um, recruitment deals. They call it a supply and chain management program where students are recruited to work for these companies and manufacture weaponry that go and kill um, people in Palestine, but also in the Philippines, Libya, Yemen. And it has a much larger presence on at PSU than other campuses specifically. So I think that Portland State has a special duty to cut ties with them. Whether or not they produce weapons material locally, that nationally Boeing as is a, one of the, you said the three largest military contractors military defense contracts with the U.S. And that's yeah. been, of course, a big focus of all of the uh, pro-Palestine organizing has been focusing on military, U.S. military support for Israel. Before, before we take up the festival and the films that will be screening and, and the importance of um, this, as I understand, second annual Palestine Film Festival in Pacific Northwest. Um, can we talk more about Super 
and the, the vision of liberation for Palestine, as well as your approach to organizing. I mean, there's both calls for a ceasefire, calls for an end to military support of Israel that's playing out in this horrific genocide unfolding and intensifying daily. But there's also at stake a vision of the future and what Palestinian freedom would mean. Many of the proposals, the two-state proposals that were promoted, um, and some would say as a way of postponing a, a true uh, vision of a free Palestine for decades. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration has tried to revive that idea of a two-state solution, but many say it's kind of um, not on the agenda in the same way it was part of organizing for decades. Mm-hmm. But then there's a question of what a one-state peace proposal would mean mm-hmm. for peoples that will continue to have to live together there, yeah. um, even if there is a successful end of the occupation and the war. Can you speak to that? What a what a one-state proposal that is being discussed by academics as well as activists here and elsewhere around the world. So our vision for a free Palestine is, it, I think a lot of people have been saying ceasefire and then they stop at ceasefire and then want to go back to the status quo. The status quo was still ethnic cleansing. Um, so ceasefire is just the first step to um, pretty much end the, rate of aggression that's going on, um, the rate of killing that's happening, but it is not the end goal. It's just the beginning. Um, Similarly with the war in Gaza ending is not the only the only demand here. Yes, this is not the only demand. And our demand as a student group um, is in end to the occupation completely. And to me, when I hear like from the river to the sea is full liberation and right of return uh, for every Palestinian to go back to their indigenous homelands. And again, one state solution would look to me very similar to what we see in South Africa um, post-apartheid. Everybody living together if they want to like be there and be respectful as long as there's no segregation as there's no longer any checkpoints, no two-class societies, that is what a fully liberated Palestine looks like to us, um, as long as Palestinians get a right of return and full um, liberation from the occupation. And and as I understand it, the vision of one state with equal rights and respect and freedom for all is a rejection of proposals for two-state solutions that leave partitions in place where Gaza and East Jerusalem and uh, occupied West Bank Mm -hmm. are are separated geographically as well as politically in ways that have strangled them from the start. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like that for many critics of Israel remains a problem with many of the two-state solutions. Yeah. Um, and, and that Israel has rejected those proposals and will continue to reject them likely, mm-hmm. um, even the two-state proposals that are lamely put forth. We know that this two-state uh, quote-unquote solution would never, ever work. 
Um, it also it reminds me of Armenia and what's going on in Artsakh right now. The Armenia is also kind of separated a little bit like Palestine is, or the, like the territories are right now. And there's also a current genocide there happening. When, when you separate groups in ways that preserve boundaries mm-hmm. that have deep histories, you're, it's not a true solution. It's never a true solution. And yeah. we also need to remember that there are Palestinians living within so-called Israel um, in Nazareth, pretty much outside the West Bank, outside of Gaza. Um, and they would be outcasted from like pretty much all of the rest of Palestine. It would just not work at all. Yeah. And I think, of course, the anxiety among some Jewish Israelis, perhaps the dominant population there, Israelis that have moved notably to the right since October 7, um, Mm -hmm. the anxiety that becomes a basis for either censoring the phrase from the river to the sea or in Germany criminalizing it. The opposition is supported by this idea that that calling for pre-Palestine from the river to the sea means the genocide for Jewish Israelis or pushing Jewish Israelis out of that territory at all. So how would you respond to that that anxiety that drives some of the opposition? My response to that is from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free is just not anti-Semitic. All that means is a one state liberated Palestine with everybody living equally and under the same laws, no segregation, no apartheid, no um, man-made separations. A lot of the the fears around that phrase um, might come from one's own projection, because we see what's happening in Gaza and we see what a one-state Israel looks like, um, and that is at the cost of Palestinian lives. I, I understand how they would think that, actually, actually I don't understand, but <laughs> I think they might believe that a one state Palestine would be uh, what's happening right now there, but flipped around against the others. Which was a big part of the apartheid panic in preserving that regime, that if apartheid fell, and Black people were politically liberated, if the ANC gained power, they would kill all the white people mm-hmm. or banish all the white people. And so there's always that paranoia. And of course, there's a long-standing history of, of Palestinian resistance to the occupation that lends, I guess, some weight to that paranoia. But it's always part of these moments. And I suppose that the one-state vision of a free Palestine that includes Jews, Muslims, secular people, uh, people of all ethnic identities and circumstances, that that feels like an impossible utopian dream, but so too seems to be the two-state solution. So maybe out of the horror of a crisis like this, um, visions that were seemed impossible Um, long ago. So let's turn to the film festival and what you see as a role of of film festivals in in the context of things that are 
so horrifying as people are in the grips of people are paying attention, see this endless images of unspeakable violence and horror that, you know, that include famine, 90% of children in Gaza apparently um, are suffering from some form of malnutrition or food insecurity. Women who are pregnant can't give birth with, with proper medical assistance. I mean, it, you know, the word goes on and on. So here we have a festival with films that provide, I think, a different picture of Palestinian life and culture. Let's talk about two of the films that I had a chance to see that you're including in the festival. Um, one is Five Broken Cameras. The other is The Time That Remains. Both of them are guided by the filmmaker as a subject in the film, as well as guiding the camera itself. But Five Broken Cameras is much more of a, a gritty kind of realist film, as well as a piece recognized as a piece of art as a film. Um, but very different in style and clearly the, the production values behind it. The Time That Remains is much more kind of abstract, um, much more of a kind of classic art film um, in its approach, but also draws on the experience of the, the filmmaker in taking also a historical view of what's happening um, under occupation. And I'm sure as a history major, you have maybe a, an interest in that longer view of what's happening under occupation. Why are these two feature films in, included and in, I think featured in, in the weekend festivals? Both the films showcase two uh, different stories of Palestine. Um, they're, of course, both related. Uh, the first film, uh, The Time That Remains, details the, again, long, very long story of Alia Soliman and his own family's Nakba story. So it starts in, uh, in May 1948 in Nazareth, which is um, part of Konokar Israel. <laughs> it goes through his life, his family's life, through many different historical points in, uh, in Palestine's history, like the first Intifada, and I believe it ends in the second Intifada. Around when the uh, film was made and released in 2009, in that period of or early 21st century, yeah. Whereas in Five Broken Cameras, the film is based in the West Bank and showcases life in the West Bank in a much shorter time span with a very, very different, very different characters. And different, <laughs> and different styles as well. Very um, different styles. I think the Time That Remains was very West Anderson-esque there was one scene I thought that was so funny in the time that remains where there are all these Palestinians at a disco club and the IDF jeep goes by declaring a curfew. The curfew is at 10 o'clock, curfew 10 o'clock. And all of the dancers at the disco club, it was so loud they couldn't hear the, the curfew. And it was a very funny scene. And even... The guy in the IDF Jeep started kind of swinging to the, or moving <laughs> to the sound of disco. And it, it was 
a very interesting scene in terms of how the occupier is at moments kind of seduced into the situation that he's participating in as an occupying force. There are a lot of wonderfully subtle funny but also tragic scenes in that film there's one scene in particular and i i remember that scene in the the nightclub in ramallah where they were just completely ignoring them and it really does showcase the difference between life in ramallah and life in nazareth where in nazareth you would definitely have to obey and get home when you had to get home um in ramallah it's not obviously like 100 safe but it's again very different life Well, as you were talking about that scene, it reminded me of another comic relief scene of a tank with a giant sniper pointer. I, I'm not sure what those are called. They look very phallic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, very big, very long. And a man was walking to his home or somewhere and they immediately just started following him with the sniper pointing it at him and he got on the phone and started teasing them pacing back and forth and they just kept following him over and over and over again uh it's it showcased a lot of the i don't know light-hearted or making fun of the occupation yeah and, and five broken cameras there was also a creative use of the image of the camera itself it opens with the director showing these five cameras and over time each time he's involved in action one gets broken or crushed by the police repression and he comes back off with a better camera and it seemed like such a powerful metaphor for resilience when also your ability to see and document your moral responsibility to see and document what what is happening i think that that film itself was a collaboration between a left-wing jewish film producer and the director so i think both of them i think brought into focus the importance of alliances and collaborations and that there was some success of the resistance in that township to the wall even though it was a very limited and modest success what was your take on that that period of many years of that community resisting the bulldozing of their olive trees and then the erection of that wall and then taking them to court and at least getting part of that wall removed it's a modest victory but clearly it was important to the filmmaker watching that scene kind of gave me hope for right now for what we're seeing in Gaza and I also see videos of Gazan children, Gazan adults talking about like this isn't over. After this we will build on the destruction, we will build off the rebels, we will not give up. And that kind of determination, that sense of hope reminds me to never be defeatist that it only hurts the cause, it only hurts Palestine more to have that like nihilist mindset and just to maintain hope and even small victories they are impactful well your work is so important and i look forward to um the film festival the first weekend in march because they in addition to showing these interesting and important films they also provide a time for discussion and where people can raise raise questions and come together in a in a joyful way as well as uh, a way that recognizes the the horror 
unfolding in Gaza and the occupied territories. In closing, say a little bit about how people can learn more, maybe give more of the details of what, when, and where with the festival. So to learn more, you can follow us on Instagram at PSU underscore super for any updates on the film festival as well as other events that we have. If you are a student at PSU, if you click on our link in the bio, you, there's an interest form that will take you to get uh, in contact with the rest of Super so you can meet fellow pro-Palestine students and join the liberation movement. And so the, the films will be, as I understand it, they'll be at the Fifth Avenue Theater, a student-led theater on campus on Fifth Avenue. What are the dates? The Palestine Film Festival will be March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, the movies that we have currently showing is Time That Remains and Five Broken Cameras, as well as probably one other film, and I Am From Palestine. The films will probably be screened in the evenings. They will be screened at the evenings at Fifth Avenue Theater at Portland State. Okay, I'm free and open the public. You can't beat that. <laughs> well, uh, Shams Mahmoud, thank you so much for being with us today on the Old Mole and keep up the good work and we hope to have you uh, on the show again in the future thank you so much for having me it was a great talk